0: Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast, and I am a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz. We call this show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. And there are special interests that are also less than enthusiastic about you knowing about these studies. Every week we'll explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illnesses. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently called functional medicine and has been adopted by thousands of doctors, as well as some medical schools and hospitals, such as the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled Secrets of Healthy Weight Loss. Hi Dr. Benz.
1: Hi Aubrey, how are you today?
0: I'm well, and you?
1: Oh, good, and uh, I just wanted to let people know there's a little bit of negativity gonna be at the front end of this, about one minute's worth. But then there's gonna be 99% of it going to be all positive and all uh, science-based that can show people how to finally uh, lose the weight and keep it off. Um, we know we have a national crisis here. 97% of, health weight, of weight loss programs fail. Uh, This is a a register, a national register, that monitors how things are going with weight loss. And that's why we have 70% of adults who are overweight or obese. And this is why we have uh, such high cancer rates and diabetes rates. And even the COVID flu, uh, now we know, affects more people who are overweight than those who are not overweight. So from heart disease to cancer to diabetes to the flu, um, Weight gain and obesity really are serious health problems. And the problem is 99% of the programs out there are not using the best science. And so what we're going to show people today is if you use the right science, there's about a 95 to 100% chance that you're going to be able to lose this weight and keep it off and uh i don't know what your research found why don't you let me know a little bit about what your research came up with and i'll fill you in on some of the new stuff that i found recently
0: well i think that you know my background is so much in this mind body medicine um, arena that i think that being able to eat properly is half of the equation and knowing what to eat and when to eat it um you know and we can get into the science around intermittent fasting and cutting calories and you know, carb loading or carb depletion and the science of fat and protein within weight loss. But also, I don't think that we can have this conversation without also talking about the role of intuitive eating, um, eating mindfully. Um, there's a lot of science that has come out around mindful eating patterns where you're actually... Present with what is being consumed. And this goes back to a, a couple episodes of, that we had. Um, I think one of the first episodes we did together, where we talked a lot about the role of um, food addictions and looking at what are the nutrients to consume is just part of the puzzle when we talk about weight loss. We also have to talk about the addiction to using food as uh, a comfort source and then our lack of mindfulness within eating um, or hopefully more mindfulness within eating. And then that ability to you know be really kind to ourselves through using that mind-body medicine piece around meditation and um, a, for- a sense of presence.
1: Well, I think that's great because one of the things you just touched on is this addiction problem. People don't realize that they really are addicted. I mean, their brains really are programmed to have a certain amount of sugar and a certain amount of calories every day. And so I wrote the, a little newsletter called Why We Crave Certain Foods. And when you look at the list, I mean, there's sweets, there's sugar, there's caffeine, there's simple carbs, there's alcohol, there's salty foods, there's sodas and carbonated foods. Every one of those has a nutritional requirement that wants to be met. The body wants, for instance, chocolate, the body wants magnesium. It needs magnesium. 80% of people in one study, uh, were shown to be deficient in magnesium. And so what is one of the best, most tastiest sources of magnesium? Chocolate. Chocolate. (laughs) So chocolate, and I hate to to single out females, but I think that women have more hidden chocolate in their kitchen than men do. And uh, they all can go there and have their little taste, and sometimes they have more than a taste. But the point is, when, when you look at what the body needs, it needs nuts, it needs dark green vegetables, it needs legumes, it needs seeds, it needs fruits. If people were eating more of those kinds of food, they would crave the chocolate less. And the same is true with caffeine and alcohol, like in alcohol, if you have a craving or an addiction to it, you're really craving serotonin. And what we know is if you eat wild game and and tuna and eggs and cottage cheese and kidney beans, you'll get more serotonin and then you can cut down your craving for alcohol, which is an addiction. So I think this is one of the things that that most interests me is most people do eat uh, on the basis of their cravings and their addictions. But I think that's only the beginning of it. That's one part of it. What do you think about this whole cravings thing? Do you go along with this theory?
0: I do. um, You know, in part of my training, it was to talk about the craving as it relates to um, serotonin and neurotransmitter production. You know, and there's been research replicated over the last 10, 15 years where they use brain scans to show what happens in the brain as we eat. Salty foods, crunchy foods, sweet foods, um, and how it really can elicit the same addiction patterns as alcohol, as you said. And you know, when you said mentioning um, serotonin, and we're reaching for those things to give us that feel good feeling, that serotonin is produced by what's happening within our gut microbiome. And to your point, if we were eating these foods like the nuts, the chippies, the legumes then we're creating our own sense our own serotonin within our gut and then that addiction piece especially as it's um, impacting our neurochemistry can be reduced and i agree with you that this is just one piece of this weight loss puzzle
1: yeah and people don't realize that they think serotonin is made in the brain and i think some of the studies i saw show that about 70 percent of serotonin is made in the gut and then sent to the brain and one of the things you have to do i mean certainly eating the right foods is is the way to begin but what if you don't chew your food if you don't chew your food you're not releasing the amylase enzymes from your saliva you're not getting uh, the small particles broken down so your stomach can really digest them and move them into the small intestine we now know from some studies that if you don't chew your food you can lose up to 50 percent of the nutrients so you can be eating healthy foods, not chewing them properly and ending up getting 50% less nutrients than if you chewed your food properly. So that's my first step chew, get the right food, chew it properly. So that's like steps one and two for me. Uh, now, on top of that, there are certain things that, that happen as you, as you age and as you Um, you know, lose your ability to do a certain amount of exercise. But when you look at the science, when you look at the difference between a muscle cell and a fat cell, a muscle cell burns 400% more calories at rest than a fat uh, shell does. So when people say, well, I exercise, well, sure. If you walk or you run, that's good. You can burn exercise through getting, you know, more energy uh, uh, out of your body through the exercise. But you also need to have that weight that weight exercise where you're lifting the weights because if you can build more muscle, then your resting burning a calorie level will be 400% higher. So, yes, aerobic is good, but weight training is also good. So, that's another one of the caveats that I wanted to add in to people. Women don't pay attention to weight training as much as they should. And if you're concerned about uh, weight weight loss and weight gain, you must you must add uh, w- weight exercises uh, to your to your exercise program. Do Do you have some confirmation of that kind of information as well?
0: Absolutely, and I think um, you know when we talk about activity, we're talking about not only uh, moving our body, we're talking about getting that the heart rate elevated, we're talking about increasing flexibility, and we're, do, we're talking about in t- strength training because that's gonna play a role in our body's ability to use glucose from the, this, the carbohydrates that we're consuming. Um, and then that leads us into that conversation around, well, what kind of carbohydrates should we be eating around um, movement, but then also around energy replenishment?
1: Yeah, and I, I think w- one of the problems is with all 80% of people not, not really getting enough magnesium, Uh, that if you don't eat enough greens and, and other things that have high magnesium in them, like nuts and seeds, then maybe taking a supplement is not a bad idea, especially if you exercise. Because when you exercise, you actually burn up the magnesium because magnesium is the transport agent that takes the glucose and the oxygen into the cell to be used in the mitochondria to make energy. So. I've had lean athletes that exercise a couple hours a day and they've actually uh, become pre-diabetic because they weren't paying attention to their magnesium levels and they they got this test and the doctor said oh you're pre-diabetic and I understand that well one of the reasons is they're not getting enough magnesium and so by taking 500 or thousand milligrams a day they were able to get rid of their pre-diabetes because now, there was magnesium in there all the time, and you can move that sugar out of circulation and into the cells. So uh, I wanted people to really understand that. And, and the other thing is, we, we kind of touched on it, but large meals. I mean, to my understanding, you only need three or 400 calories in a meal in order to satisfy your needs for the next three or four hours. But people are eating 700 and 1,000 calories in a meal. What happens to those calories? they get get stored, they get stored as as fat. And so to me, you could eat the same number of calories. I think there was actually a study on this where they ate the same number of calories, two groups. And one of the groups ate them in two meals and the other group ate them in four meals. And the the group that only ate the two meals, they gained 10 pounds. And the group that ate them in four meals either stayed the same weight or lost weight. Now, how is that possible unless this whole theory of eating too many calories in one meal isn't true it has to be true How, what's your feeling about this
0: well i go back to thinking about food as medicine philosophies uh, blue zones which are populations of the world that have the lowest incident rates of chronic diseases and also extremely healthy um, weights and there's lots of other measurable outcomes that we could talk about with the Blue Zones. But the research around Blue Zones has shown that, you know, and food is medicine, that you use and you consume small amounts of food throughout the day to your point 300 to 400 calories. And those calories should be coming in from the form of a, plant, a plant-rich a plant diet, because then we don't have the same conversation that we have around storing fat, around weight gain, because we're not... Oh, over bombarding our body with simple carbohydrates, um, or with, with over bombarding our digestive system in a manner where we're not able to process the food, um, and process the caloric intake adequately because we're not moving our bodies equally. Right. So it's a, it's a both and conversation to me of eating less and moving more, but eating less of all of the processed high caloric density foods that are also Nutriently depleted, and instead switching those nutrients towards foods that have a ton of phytochemicals in them, because then you're also getting the fiber, which is part of the most essential aspect of weight loss.
1: Yeah, I think you touched on it, and I think you you mentioned simple carbohydrates, and I think that's the key. But does the average person know the difference between a simple carbohydrate and a complex carbohydrate? I mean, just take grains as an example. Once you remove the shell of a grain, you've made that a simple carbohydrate that's going to burn just like sugar in 15 or 20 minutes. But if you leave the shell on there and that's a whole grain and then you eat that, then the body has to, has to eat through that. That takes an hour or two for those same carbohydrates to be absorbed. And that's a slower burn than the metabolism of when you just put sugar in there like a simple carbohydrate is. So whole grains, if you're gonna eat grains, make sure they're whole grains with the shell on them because that's where the fiber is, which was to your point. And, and, and when I have people who are diabetic or pre-diabetic and I say, okay, you need to have some fruit, but guess what, Take some take a handful of nuts and seeds with it because the nuts and seeds will give you fiber to help take that sugar and slow down its absorption into your body. Have you ever heard of that theory before?
0: I have. And I mean, I think also that, you know, I teach around nutrition. And so it's very evident to me in my classes that there is a lack of understanding around what is a simple carbohydrate and what is a complex carbohydrate. And so carbohydrates have been really vill- villainized throughout the media but we need carbohydrates. They are the body's energy preferred energy source. However, we have become so overly reliant on our donuts, our pasta, our white bread, our white rice, and this is where we see the weight gain conundrum come in is because we're eating a diet that's rich in these types of simple carbohydrates that, to your point, turn immediately to sugar, have no fiber, so our gut microbiome is not being addressed whatsoever. We're not able to detoxify. We're not burning calories through the digestion process as to why we move towards those complex carbohydrates and eating the fruit with the nuts and the seeds is fantastic, because you're right, you're getting protein, you're getting fat, you're getting fiber, all at the same time as delivering the complex carbohydrate found in the, in the fruit. You, you the same notion is true if with eating fruits and vegetables. Um, and so I think you know, the conversation to me always relies around how do we shift a diet that is very processed, and very quick and convenient oriented to one that is more whole foods oriented and based upon that slow food manifesto where we encourage eating of actual whole food sources that are complex carbohydrates that we have research showing stabilizes weight gain
1: well one of the thi- when i took all this science and i had a client uh, a big national client that wanted to do a weight loss program i said well you know if you're going to do this right we really have to train people on how to eat properly. And I said, I think if we do this and we give them the right tools, we're gonna find out that a vast majority of these people can lose the weight and keep it off. And so the HR person says, sure, let's try it, what's involved. So I had a survey that I did called the, the Weight Control Survey. And in there, there are four main categories. There's eating patterns, brain chemistry, emotional factors, and situational factors. And within each one of those, there's, there's five other categories and you can check off on a question, you know. Um, do you eat uh, quickly and uh, don't chew your food enough uh, on a scale of one to five? Uh, give us a score. So in each of these questions, people were asked to analyze their situation, their brain chemistry, their, their uh, emotional factors. And what they were able to do then is find out which of these areas where they were most vulnerable where they probably weren't doing as good a job as they could be doing. Because you know, it's complicated. And so you can have 50 facts and say, okay, I'm gonna do all of them. But you know, people don't wanna do 50 things. So this this kind of narrowed it down so that they can get a score and go, oh, okay, I see these emotional things, uh, they're probably solving uh, causing the most problems. So I think I should concentrate on that. And then we can give them strategies to do that. But overall, regardless of those categories, I found that all the science says, if you try to lose more than 10% of your weight or calories per day, you're gonna be in trouble. And so here was one of the major things that I found out of this study. If you uh, weigh 150 pounds and you take 10 times that, that means your general weight loss goal uh, or, or, or weight maintenance goal should be 10 times that or 1,500 calories. And what we found and the science confirmed that if you try to eat 10% of that less, like 150 calories, so break it down, now you're trying to consume 1,350 calories a day, then you can lose the weight and, and, and you will not suffer all these craving problems if it's healthy food, like we said before. But if you try to cut 20 or 25% of your calories in a day, you know what your body does? It says, excuse me, uh, why are you doing that? Uh, We're going to change your metabolism. And oh, by the way, we're going to store more fat if you try to do that. So this whole bigger Loser thing is the biggest mistake that you can make in trying to lose weight. So that was one of the most major findings that I found from all this research. And guess what? Every person on this program, after eight weeks, lost the weight they wanted to lose and kept it off for a year. And so these theories really do work. And I didn't didn't know whether you sort of knew about the 10% number, but boy, that's a magic number. Every program I do now uses this 10% to have 10 times your body weight and then subtract 10% of those calories.
0: That's right. That's a- A wonderful tool to have in your toolbox. And I mean, I think the fact that you're addressing the emotional aspect is central a lot of times to why weight loss is difficult and why it can't be maintained.
1: And sometimes it goes deep, you know, into the psyche. It goes into history. Uh, to find out whether you have an eating problem that's, that's existed in the beginning of your life. It, it, there are even 400 genes that control weight. This is something that really boggles my mind. And so people like to say, well, my family's heavy. And so uh, I must have the genetic predisposition to gain weight. And that can be true. But people need to remember the genes are a genetic predisposition. In other words, you may be predisposed to something. It doesn't mean that it's automatically going to activate. And so you can control all genetic predispositions and you can control all 400 of the genes that are predisposed to making you uh, you know, gain weight. And so you do that by the things we've been talking about, by eating the right foods. And, and here's another trick. I mean, I, I, these are the secrets. You know, one of the secrets is I get people to uh, eat a, a, a green drink powder every day. So these green powders have about 40 or 50 different kinds of vegetables and fruits in a powder form. And when you take a scoop of that and put that into one of your meals, like a shake, and you make one of your meals this really healthy shake, then look at all these nutrients you're getting. Well, guess where all the cravings and all the addictions come from? The lack of nutrients in the body. So the green drink immediately gives your body a rush of this great mix of phytonutrients and chemicals and minerals. All of a sudden your body is really happy. All of a sudden you find your cravings go down and, and this is like a magic to me. If you, if you combine these things of a little bit of exercise, eating the right foods, uh, doing, like we said, the, the strength exercise and the aerobic exercise, but also doing the green powder and, and, uh, actually doing the analysis of where your challenges are coming from and handle the area that's the most significant, those four or five things, are all you need to get 90 to 95% of people losing weight and keeping it off. So the science is there. Uh, have you had any programs where you've actually helped people? Or are you mostly working with, with students now and don't have any kind of clinical ability to, to test these things?
0: No, I've worked with clients in the past. and I have clients now. But, you know, our diets move more towards, um, I was always taught to not, deplete the body, but to replace in the body. And so instead of going into restriction, we go into swapping things out. We're most of the time working with people uh, making meatloaves, but instead of the meat, we're cutting it in half and using lentils and mushrooms, right? Where there's a swapping that is happening to increase how many plants are being consumed for for the role around acidity and alkalinity, for the role of reduction of blood pressure, reduction of cholesterol, and to increase that fiber outcome, which is going to be indicative of weight loss
1: yeah I, I i think that's fantastic so you know you're getting this with your clients with your with your people that you're coaching on a regular basis and i'm getting it with some like that but i'm also getting it with some of these larger groups and so these theories do work um there's a lot more to it than aubrey have aubrey and i have covered today but i think we just have enough time for today's program to talk about our four sponsors we have four wonderful sponsors that help us to be able to provide this information to people and the first one is the uh, southern trust financial planning group out of sarasota and they're really conscientious about the health of their clients uh, not just their financial health but their, their physical and the biochemical health and so i think that's why they uh, they work uh, with us on our show and they also provide workshops to their uh, to, to their members and their clients. And so uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning is a really, really progressive group. So we would recommend them to anybody and you can do distance uh, programs with them as well. DHA Labs is another one of our great clients and they're really into the advanced testing for brain chemistry and wellness and immune system, even cancer tests. And so we recommend DHA Labs for all the wellness clients and even individuals. I have a number of people in a family that's concerned about cancer and uh, they're all getting the cancer test. And so DHA Labs, they're in Chicago. uh, They're one of the really best labs. And so if your organization needs any help with the blood testing, uh, that's the place to start. Uh, The third client is uh, Paddock Pools. And and they're really the leader in the design and the uh, development and building of pools because they have a vacuum extractor unit that actually takes the vacuum gas off of the surface and changes your chemistry in your body so that uh, you don't consume these chlorophine gases and uh, cause depletions in vitamin D and zinc and other things. And so paddock pools, having developed that technology, I think they're making the healthiest pools on the planet. And the exercise is one of the great exercises for people of all ages and all exercise levels. And the final um, Uh, sponsor is uh, MPB Health. And they have a really unique approach to health insurance. It's not health insurance so much as it is kind of a a program where people work together within their program to provide uh, an opportunity to become well and to stay well. Because if you're in a, in a situation where you can eat the right foods and do exercises and, and handle, handle some of the other programs that can help you to be healthier, then you can get a reduction in healthcare premiums by 30 to 50%. And for single people and individual business people, this is a real value and for small employers. So MPB Health is one of those creative companies that has an option for you for your health insurance. And I think you should take a look at them because I think they provide a lot of valuable services for a certain segment of the community and society that really needs it. I'd like to thank our listeners today and uh, I'd like to thank Aubrey again for great input. And we look forward to hearing Uh, those who are following us and seeing what our next program is all about so thank you very much for your support and for your uh, attendance to our programs we really appreciate it and we hope you all have a great day